God bless you. You may be seated. I appreciate that word from the Lord. It is wisdom. It is wisdom. Praise God. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your presence that's here. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you want to help us far more than we will ever want to receive help. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, help us to be sensitive to your spirit. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church, that we might receive it by your grace, and that you might fulfill it in our lives, that your name might be sanctified, that your kingdom might come, and that all that you have purposed in heaven is your will. We'll find conduits, willing conduits, for it to be fulfilled here in the earth through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I have, uh, how many years is this, Brother Dylan? No, not the first one. No, I think it's closer to 19, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was uh, 92. 93, the first time we came. Uh, I've been a part of this meeting uh, all of these years. <laughs> Poor Brother Dylan, he has taken some heat from me. And I appreciate it. And I came to this meeting with a an anticipation in the spirit greater than any that I have had on any trip here the Lord has not disappointed me I was sure that I knew what I was going to speak yesterday and today what uh, the Lord wanted to say through me and on Wednesday I texted a prophet of God that I have great confidence in and said what are you feeling I kind of wished I hadn't You know, it just bugs me no end when somebody wants a word and then they decide they don't want to hear it once they got it. Yeah. You're better off not ever having heard it because once you hear it, you're responsible for it, whether you like it or not. Well, I got about a three-paragraph word that afternoon that threw my whole weekend uh, in, to me in my ordered world disarray so as I began to pray what the Lord wanted me to do I did kind of a summation yesterday of what I felt I was going to do today and tomorrow yesterday and today and I have a completely different direction for today and uh, I so thoroughly enjoy working with brother Shadwell and brother Morgan I have great love and deep respect for them. And the three of us have been working together here now probably at least 12 years, if not 15. And uh, we have very similar concepts, very uh, similar love for the Spirit, the things of God, revival, 
it's a privilege to work with them. Uh, and we may approach, approach things differently, but we believe the same thing, and we're saying the same thing. Praise God. At the request, at, at, at someone else's request, uh, I do believe in spiritual warfare, and uh, the first Tuesday through Thursday, Friday of uh, November, if you cannot come to Annapolis for our call to war, it will be streamed live uh, on theantioch.com. Teaching on Tuesday night, then teaching four to six hours of teaching on Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then three nights of directed warfare. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. This will be the third year that we've, we've done this. Praise God. Forty-five years ago, June the 5th, I stood on the grass field of the Naval Academy football stadium and repeated these words after the Secretary of the State. I, Chester McWright, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I'm about to enter, so help me God. And at that moment, as a 22-year-old, by the act of Congress and the signature of the President, I became an officer and a gentleman. At that moment, old salty sailors who'd been serving 25, 30 years had the responsibility to initiate the salute as I approached them, walked by. They had to call me sir. Some of them were 45 and 50 and I was 22. Because it wasn't about the man. It was about the office. and the authority that came with that office. I spent four years learning how to make decisions to send men to die. Because the mission and the cause was greater than any man's life. At the expense of starting a controversy, which I rarely ever do, <laughs> the Lord said this to me this morning. Ask them to show you one place in the Bible where God called a man to preach like we do. Show it to me. 
Where did God call men to preach? This is a warped and perverted concept of what God is doing in, by, and through His men. Since we do not understand what God is doing, what the purpose is, and what we're called to do, we teach people homiletics and hermeneutics. We teach them their, you know, the introduction and the three points and the conclusion. And we teach them how to speak. We teach them how to preach. Nowadays, we teach them how to write out really awesome sounding stuff. And teach them how to do the theatrics of reading it good. Because our focus is on preaching. Hear me today. You don't have to like me. I, it, that doesn't matter to me whether you like me. But you hear me this day. God did not call you to the ministry for your first and foremost responsibility to preach good sermons. You cannot build a church from a pulpit. And if that is your focus, you're never going to get the job done. You can attract other people's saints with your pretty, pretty speeches. You get some good singing going on before that. You can build your church by attracting other people's disgruntles. And you can have them. I don't. Every revival church needs a good commode somewhere nearby that wants to take what your body needs to expel so that it can be healthy. Is that plain enough? I really can get plainer than that. I was trying to be discreet with that. That's me being discreet. And if that's your focus is to attract other people that people that other people couldn't pastor so you can feel better about your crowd you I'm not even sure you're called to preach you're on some ego trip I preached it yesterday these two messages are linked even though I didn't link them this is about Jesus first and foremost as the man of God talked it's about my relationship with Him. And if I put my relationship with Jesus first, there's going to be products, fruit. There's going to be positive things happening. Amen. The title of this message is The Great Commissioning. <laughs> there were people in that, in that stand that day. They didn't have their hand up. They weren't commissioned. Family, friends, spectators. They didn't put on an officer's cap with shoulder boards that said you were an officer. They didn't get saluted. Some of you have seen the pictures. A bunch of the kids were there to rush onto the field to collect the caps that are thrown into the air after the ceremonies are over. Every, people were there for, for different reasons. Some were just spectators. 
Some were wannabes. But some of those men in 1968 that I was commissioned with were dead in Vietnam within six months. Four hard years to prepare to die in somebody else's soil, on somebody else's soil, in six months' time. But that's what we were called to do. That was our, that was our purpose, that we were there for that. Let me tell you something. If you went to a military academy in the 60s, you were extremely patriotic and very idealistic. And you didn't care what, country, what direction the country was going. And you didn't expect to be a hero because you were a dog, something worth of being spit on. But you believed in this with everything. I was born in a naval hospital. My dad spent 30 years in the Navy. It's all I ever wanted to be was a naval officer. I've had two classmates who became chief of naval operations and one who was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. That means he was the most senior officer in the entire U.S. military. I don't mean to be offensive. You take this any way you want to. But I knew those guys. I had just as much chance to get there as they did. And forgive me, but in my opinion, I had a better chance than one of them. <laughs> and, 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 our, and the U.S. Navy would have been better off if it had been me who became chief of naval operations than him. But we did that because we believed in it with everything in us. We knew what the possibility was when we, when we swore our oath of office on the first day four years before. We knew what it could cost us. We weren't there for a free education. We were there to become servants of this country regardless of the price. You know, in the Lord makes me change armies, and I don't even believe in the army. <laughs> this is carnality, I know, but the first Gentile to get the Holy Ghost was a Roman army officer. But God sent a sailor to preach to him. And there were no... Apostles who were army. There were four sailors out of twelve, not a bad percentage. That's carnality, forgive me. But God changed. He took all of that away. He didn't take it. He gave me the option right. All of that. I, I know people don't understand me. I don't I know they don't understand what makes me tick. But can I give less to this than I gave to that? Am I should I be willing for this to cost me less than that would could have cost me? Can this be less important to me than that was to me? Can it be? 
I'm not the only one sitting here today in this room that has served. I didn't resent serving. It wasn't a chore to serve. I first put on a Navy uniform in, 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 in March of my junior year of high school. I joined as a, an enlisted man in the Naval Air Reserve. I couldn't wait to get in that uniform. I wanted to be in that uniform. I really regret. If I'd have known this is what God wanted me to do today, I'd have brought my uniform and my sword and I'd have preached in it. Trying to make a point here. The great commissioning of a man of God includes all of the following. The call. The equipping. The impartation. The activation. And descending forth. Luke chapter 9 verse 1. And I'll get, I'm coming right now to the next verse. Don't, you don't have to put this on the screen. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal the sick. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. I'm just going to read it up here with you. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. And to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. This, beginning with verse 1 through the end of chapter 10 of Matthew, should be the college curriculum of any training effort in the United Pentecostal Church that's worth even spitting at. Oh, I'm stirred up today. Forgive me. I was really hoping you'd just keep on going so I didn't have to do this. I mean that sincerely. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power. And the Greek word there is authority. It's not dunamis, it's exousia. He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I don't see anything in there about preaching. I see a whole lot in there about practicing. Let's go. Next verse. Now the names of the twelve apostles of these first Simon, which is called Peter and Andrew, his brother James, the son of Debedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, son of Alphaeus, Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Everything after that statement right there is a command of God to His called servants. Go into the way of the Gentiles in the city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, of course, this part changed in Acts 1 and 8. Next verse. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. The word, these words are in the imperative tense. That's the tense of command. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. He commanded us to heal the sick. He commanded us to cleanse the lepers. He commanded us to raise the dead. He commanded us to cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. Next verse. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. 
nor script for your journey, neither two coats, nor neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy as meat. Now I'll go, Lord, just as soon as you solve all my problems and you supply every need in advance so that I won't ever have to trust you for whatever it is I may need. Until then, I'm sitting right here hooked up to Mama's umbilical cord. Next verse. Oh, God help me. I, it's, 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 uh, I'm really editing it, believe it or not. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who it is. Who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to it. Do you have any idea who the Lord sees you to be? You are the most important, powerful, authoritative person in your city. I don't care if it's a city of 3,200 or 3.2 million. If you are a God called and commissioned man of God, nobody in your city is greater than you. I'm not talking about stick your thumbs in your smelly armpits, uh, armpits and strut around imported. I'm talking about you have the authority to speak words that everything and everybody has to listen to, whether they know it or not. Next verse. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Oh, God, have mercy. God, have, God help us. Jesus, you walk down the aisles of Walmart. When a large ship goes through the water, you measure the size of the ship by what's called displacement. Take a bucket or a cup or something, put no water in it, and begin to press it down in the water and feel the resistance of the water against whatever it is you're, you're trying to, without letting any of the water in, that you try to push down in it. That's called displacement. Water has to move aside to make room for that. And a ship is measured by the, uh, the tons of water that it displaces. And it is, and the water, water's not trying to sink the ship. The water's holding it up. It's forced from that water, holding it up because that ship displaces water. And as it goes through the water, I, one of my favorite places on ship is the bow to watch as the water parts. As that ship goes through the water. Oh, my precious brother, don't you understand? As a God-called man of God, you're like some huge battleship. Everywhere you go in the spirit world, it just moves aside. 
zone for you to, you to go someplace. Well, well I'm not praying. It, oh, God. It's not a matter of whether you're praying or not. It's because of who you are. You can have a hundred sailors standing around. And the newest little old ensign can walk up. And you'll hear this. Make way. Make way. Make way. And those sailors will part. And that officer can walk right straight through. They don't have to know him. Because it's not him that they're moving for. It's that office. It's that authority. It's that's what they move for. There's no personality in that. It's not about personalities. That's why they put us all in the same uniform. They put us all in the same uniform. So we don't measure each other by which tailor we're using. Or what brand of tie you're wearing. Why? Because it's not about personality. It's about this office. I am not the office. The office is God. And the office, God, rests upon me. And when they make way in the spirit world, because I walk in someplace, they're not making way for Chester Wright. They're making way for the Lord Jesus Christ, who has called me and rests upon me. ministry from timidity God has not given us the spirit of fear Paul said look it up that's the only time in the Greek that word is used it's not the word for fear the fear of the Lord it's the Greek word that means timidity timidity paralyzes God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind so that the office can operate and we stay saved. It's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be used. But the greatest miracle God ever does in the life of a true man of God is use him and save him. Some make their whole focus of their life and ministry just them staying saved. And others make their whole focus of life and ministry being used. But I'm not willing to settle for one or the other. It is a miracle of God. But I will be used and I will be saved. Being lost is not an option. Being lost is not an option. Being lost is not an option. It's not an option. Next verse, please. Jesus, help me. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless doves. Harmless as doves. We wrestle, it's already been said today, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our enemies. Even those who, like Jesus, said, 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They don't become your enemy because of what they do. They're ignorant. They're blind in what they do. We are not here to fight people. We're not here to fight religions. We are wrestling against flesh. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You can't fight people and war in the Spirit. You've got to choose. You've got to choose. God help us. God help us. Next verse. i got to hurry here. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to, to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Lord. Where's the promise of your protection? Protection? I don't want to be protected from being brought before those people so I can preach. Next verse. And you should be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Do you understand? Do you understand that when God brings me before somebody, whether they even know who I am or what I'm doing, that in the judgment, before He sends them to that hell I preached about yesterday, and they say, I didn't know, I didn't have a chance, He's going to put on His big screen and replay the video of them coming in contact with you. Whether you opened your mouth or not, whether you prayed for them or not, whether you were faithful to your call or not, God calls your path to cross with their path. And that intersection is that they didn't take advantage of. Now, whether or not we're accountable for that, uh, we might want to think about our accountability there. But that's, the, that's all the evidence God needs to say, no, I brought you across a man of God's path. Jesus, help us. Next verse. But when they deliver you up, take no thought for how you, how or what you shall speak, and for it shall be given you in the same hour what you shall speak. Just hope you have your notebook along. That was not God either. Maybe a little bit. Some of us are going to be in big trouble. When we have to rely on what we've hidden in here rather than what we've put on paper. For it is not ye that speak, but the son of your the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. Next verse. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child. These are still all commandments now. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye should be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another, as was preached here Wednesday night. Persecution is God's action upon a church. You ever tried to squeeze a watermelon seed? Forgive me, I'm not insulting you, calling you a watermelon seed. But when God puts a squeeze on you and you have to flee from one place to the other, it's not the devil. But when they persecute you in this city, flee you in another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. 
The disciple is not above his master nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. That he be as his master, the servant is his Lord. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? If you're trying to keep cause the city to think all good about you, then you're not being faithful to what God's telling you. If you've never offended anybody when you spoke the word of God, then you haven't heard the word of God. I think I'll say that one more time. If you've never offended anybody when you spoke the word God gave you to speak, then you haven't been getting a word from God. Because if you think God only gives us stuff everybody's going to like to hear, you need to change the name on your sign because it's not apostolic. Because God Himself will put men of God in the pathway, in the way of people on the way to hell and tell them stuff they don't want to hear. And if you're afraid to preach or edit, or edit what you are given to say so that it's more palatable to the hearers, God help us. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, serves his Lord, if they have called you master house and be elders above. How much more shall they call them of south? So next verse. Fear not fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be, be revealed and hid that shall not be known. Listen now. Here is a command to the to men of God who are called of God. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. He didn't say, what new message I get you off preachit.com or, or any other similar site. Or whose DVD you've been listening to and taking notes off of. Oh God. I can't, I can't. I won't do bad, but I can't. Next verse. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Next verse. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Next verse. But ye, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. This is commands, promises made from God to those men he has called. Next verse. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him all will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on, the, on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God divides. The Word of God divides. It separates goat from sheep. I agree with what Brother Shatwell said today. I agree with it. We have, we have platform rules. 
ministry rules. You want to be involved in ministry in this church? This is what you got to line up to. Most of it is doctrine. Some of it's discipline. It's not sin, but in this church, this is how leaders are going to live. Why do I have that? So I can let that person that's, that's real slow sit there and we love on them. Hear me right now. This took me 40 plus years to learn. Stop trying to lead everybody sitting there. Jesus didn't. Jesus led the hungry. He loved everybody. But He only led the hungry. When you're trying to lead those that aren't hungry, you're not leading the hungry and you're only causing conflict between you and the rest of them. Jesus had four distinct ministries and He never mixed them. He had a ministry to the crowd. He told stories He didn't even explain. It was all good stories it sounded like, but He dismissed the crowd and those that weren't hungry, they'd go say, wow, that was really great. I don't, and the food was good too. I don't know what He was saying, but it was really great. I'll be back next week. But the hungry stuck around. And the next ministry he had to the hungry, he explained the parables and what they meant. Oh, wait. The explanation of the parables to the hungry separated that crowd. Because the explanation called for faith and commitment. And those that were hungry but weren't willing to be committed, they went home. And though, and he kept the rest of them. And to them, he gave the deep things of God. And then out of that group, he had the smaller group that he turned into men of God. And there were four different levels of ministry. And the smaller the crowd got, the deeper the ministry got. And my fear today in the United Pentecostal Church is with all the services we're eliminating, we're forced to stay shallow in ministry because we think the crowd is important. And we don't, we don't let the Lord call the crowd so you can go deeper. I spent years trying to pastor the crowd. You can't pastor the crowd. Jesus didn't pastor the crowd. He preached the gospel, good news to the crowd. Oh, but I'm afraid somebody's going to show up and think that we don't believe the truth and holiness. The crowd. Let me tell you something. You're in a whole lot more danger if your crowd all looks ready for heaven. I gotta be really questioning whether you're doing the will of God if your crowd, the whole group of your crowd looks ready for heaven because you're not preaching the gospel and you're not sowing any seed and you're not weeping on any seed. Sunday morning, get over it. Sunday morning is not the church. Sunday morning is the crowd. It's not the church. If you ever want to see the church grow, you got to quit treating Sunday morning like the church. We have four services a week. In this day and time? Yeah, I'm sorry. I really apologize. We're trying to get more going. We only have four, and I'm embarrassed over that. Because my Bible says 
Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So I have to apologize to you today. We only have four. But you can't get them there. No, no. Who is it? You can't get there. Who is it that you can't get there? So the smaller the crowd, the deeper you can go. You're not going to use people out of the crowd. You're not even going to use the hungry. You're only going to use those that have responded to the Word of God when it was taught to the hungry. But our problem? Oh, here it goes. This is Holy Ghost. Preach to the crowd all you want. But if you want disciples, you're going to have to teach. Because by definition, you can't make disciples through preaching. Preaching proclaims, teaching explains. And people aren't going to give their life to that which they don't understand. No, sir, but we're preaching addicts. Because preaching can entertain. Now, you can tell I'm not a good preacher because I don't have the personality to do it. I'm not. I'm not, you know. I, I just don't have that. Thank God God gave a pastor to our church. And by the way, bishop is not an honorary title. And you're going to find that out here in a few minutes. I need to stop there. Who is our example in the New Testament? Who's our example? Jesus. But of those that he appointed us to follow. He said, I pray not for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. Go into all the world. Teach all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Right? So who's our examples? The apostles. Which apostle? All of them. Really? So you can copy Peter's life? John's life? What did they say? What did John say? We've touched him. We've seen him. We've heard his voice. I haven't touched him. I haven't seen him. I haven't heard his, his audible voice. How can he be my example? Who's my example? Which is the apostle in the New Testament whose life more perfectly reflects our situation? Paul. He didn't walk with him. He didn't eat with him. He didn't see him. He didn't hear his human voice. Paul. Therefore, Peter didn't say, follow me as I follow Christ. Peter didn't say that. Paul said, Follow me 
as I follow Christ. And the Greek there is literally, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Peter didn't tell me to imitate him. I left my sword at home. So, just for the last few minutes here, I want to share with you some of the most specific scripture in all of the Bible on a detailed job description for the ministry. When the scripture tells us of Paul's conversion in Acts 9, there was a bunch of stuff left out. A couple of other times Paul tells us about it. But the, the place in the scripture where Paul most specifically details what God said to him is in Acts 26 and 13. And I'm going to read, and this precious sister that has put up with me all these years is going to try to keep up on the screen. And she does as good as any place I've ever been. Amen. Amen. Acts Listen carefully now. Acts 26, 13. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said... Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now I will tell you in advance, in the original language, verses 16, 17, and 18 are all in the same paragraph. They're all one job description. They're all one specific call and commissioning statement. But rise. Stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now I have about 20 plus pages of notes with a detailed analysis right here that I cut down from out of the Call to War manual or guidebook or seminar. We call it seminar because that's the way you fly under the radar. Call it a seminar. You can do anything you want. Call it a supernatural experience of dealing with the, the, the demonic world so that there can be victory for the church of the living God and nobody shows up. Let's call it a seminar. Once they get there and feel it, they go, wow, this is pretty good. Right? But for time's sake, all I'm going to do is skim this. And if you are interested, you can study it for yourself or you 
the materials available if you would like to study it from the material available. The Lord told Paul to stand up. He said, I have appeared to thee for this purpose, for this cause. To make thee. And that word to make there means to appoint or commission. To make thee a minister. Oh, there it is. He's called to preach. No, 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 no. There's three primary Greek words translated minister. One of those, let me read that part. You got you to hear this. This is really good stuff. Okay. The Greek word specifically refers to someone who takes orders from his superior and does exactly what he is told to do without any right to initiate action on his own. That is the definition of the Greek word. I didn't add that. That's right out of a reference book. This is what Paul was called to be. Paul was called to be a minister. That refers to someone who takes orders from his superior and does exactly what he is told to do without any right to initiate action on his own. Paul said, the Lord said to Paul, I have called you. I've ordained you to be this. Now, are you called a minister? The, the most broadly used Greek word translated minister is diakonos. It views a servant in relation to his work. Doulos, which is mostly translated slave, Paul used the word, also translated servant. It is a, a minister in relation to his master. But Huperates, which is the one God called Paul to be, is a re- minister in relation to his superior. That's the call. You do what I say, when I say do it. Don't give me your ideas, I don't want to hear them. You wait on me, listen to me, I'll tell you what to do, when to do, I'll tell you what to say. And, and, and you listen to me, because I'm the boss, and you're the one that I've called. Uh, you know, it was a draft. He, wasn't, he didn't volunteer for that. He wasn't given an option. No, he wasn't given an option. Like the two articles I've written, that if I was dead, I'd get crucified, but you can't crucify a dead man. If you haven't heard of them or seen them, they're available on apostoliciron.com. One of them is entitled, 38 pages, The Biblical Difference Between a Doctrine and Conviction. And the other one is a 52-page study on the biblical principle governing the eyes. Trust me. When some elements of the apostolic movement get across, read those two, I will be anathema. I just used to be, in their eyes, something less than them. But now I'm going to be anathema. Because I dared challenge them on their making convictions into doctrines. 
Of course, the problem is I didn't have a choice because I'm just a Hooper Atheist. Whatever, whatever the, the, the superior says, that's what I do. Whatever I hear in the ear, I'm going to speak it on the housetop. And then he said, I've called you to be a minister and a witness. Do you know what the Greek word translated witness is? Martyr. You don't believe something unless you're willing to die for it. Don't tell me you believe it if you're not willing to die for it. And I'm not, let me tell you something. Dying one time, that's the easy way. No offense, no offense. That's the easy way. But dying every day? Believe in something enough that you die out to you, your likes, your dislikes, your will, what you want to do today, how you feel, how you don't feel, where you're going to go, where you're not going to go, what you're going to say, what you're not going to say. Dying out to all of that every day. You're not going to do that if you don't believe it. And that's the witness. And he said, I'm, I'm, I delivered thee from the people. Greek scholars really disagree over this word delivery. But in my opinion, from the ones I've read, the one that feels most right to me in the Holy Ghost is the Lord said to Paul, I called you out of the people. I'm sending you back to. Not delivering him from how they treated him. Because if the Lord delivered Paul from his jeopardy from the people that, that he's talking about here, he didn't do a very good job. <laughs> All the time, I mean, it's already been said in this pulpit, I won't repeat it, and you know what it says. But if that's what this verse means, Lord, you, you need to work on that a little bit, because you didn't do too good. No, God called him out to send him back in. If we ever understand holiness, we'll reach this world. Holiness is not to isolate us. Holiness is to insulate witnesses so we can go into the world but not be of the world so that we can reach the world and be a light to the world. Because no man lights a candle and hides it under a bed. You know why you hide people that you preach holiness to? Because you know they're just doing what you tell them to do because you never explain to them why to do it in the first place. Because maybe you don't really have any scripture to explain the stuff you, the doc, the convictions you've made in the doctors. Maybe, maybe that's really the problem. Maybe we tell them, do this because I say so. I'm from Maryland. Uh, that's no exaggeration. I'm from Maryland. It was the only Catholic land grant out of 13 original colonies. The first capital of the state of Maryland was St. Mary's City. Every bit of that land belonged to a Catholic. And when God sent me there, and I got all these Catholics to try to, try to reach, I asked, Lord, how am I supposed to reach these people? And this is what He told me. He said, you tell them when you witness to them, 
You can only be saved by the word. Only the word will save you. Only the word saves. Only the word saves. Don't believe anybody that tells you to do something that they can't show you in the book. I don't care who it is. If it's your longtime priest or whoever it is, you want to be saved. Don't believe anything anybody tells you that you, they can't show you in the book. Oh, man, we started praying Catholics through. You wouldn't believe how many Catholics. We have prayed Catholics through and prayed Catholics through. Some of the best people we've got, man, they already understand this obedient stuff. Right? But guess what? I got all those Catholics in, and I'm some young guy. I never pastored before. All I knew is how it was. I was raised in Pentecost. You do this because I say do it. And so, so they all started coming in, and I was preaching against patent leather shoes and, 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 and wide ties, and you couldn't wear anything but a white shirt. And, 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 and they looked at me, and finally somebody got brave, brave enough to come up to me and say, uh, Pastor? Yes, sir. Uh, where's that in the Bible? I'm the pastor. You're going to obey me and do what I say. No, 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 pastor. We're here because you told us to only believe what a man of God can show you in the Bible. Now, pastor, we're willing to obey. We, 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 we came here because you showed us the truth in the book. And, 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 we, and it, we, it's true and we've experienced it. Now, why shouldn't we just go back to where we came from if we're now going to live the way we live because you tell us to and you can't show it to us in the book? And you know what I did? I said, okay, Jesus, I'm in a jam now. So what did I do? I do what I always do. I didn't call somebody and say, how do you convince people to do this? I went back to the book and I said, okay, Lord. I need you to show me what you say that I should preach even if it means means they're going to go to hell for not doing it. I had to decide what I could with a clear conscience send people to hell for not doing. I got a 150 page study that I'm about to make available on hair examining 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. And let me tell you something. Because I know where it came from and it didn't come out of my mind. It's a verse-by-verse analysis of the words the Holy Ghost chose to, to teach that. And if you're honest-hearted at all, you can't ever teach that it's okay for a woman to cut her hair again, ever, if you're honest hearted y'all. But here's the problem. <laughs> Poor old ladies, we focus on the ladies. We've got a problem with the Greek here. <laughs> it says a man's supposed to cut his hair, and his hair's not cut if it's hanging down. That's the Greek. If it's hanging. If it's covering a part of the head that the hairline doesn't cover, right. your hair's long. Oh, but we only we only hammer on the women. We leave the guys alone. Some of these guys that put me in hell for wearing that, I can't have them on my platform because their hair violates the word of God.
course, my $200 ring will send me to hell, but their $15,000 Rolex won't. The point I'm trying to make, if you're listening to all of that garbage and all that verbiage coming from that group, God help you. God help you. Lord have mercy. This is about souls and the book. You want to talk book? Let's talk book. You want to talk your opinion? Don't have time. Not interested in your opinion. I don't want you to be interested in my opinion. When you, when, when the Lord requires you to say stuff that He requires me to say, you better be ready to back it up. I'll leave that right there. Because my problem is, I'm a fighter, but not with fists, with words. And I can't be a part of a deal that gets into that old competition debate. I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. It stirs something up. I don't need stirred up. I don't need it stirred up. I don't need it stirred up. No, I don't need it. I've tried it. I, tr- I love my brother, and I want to fellowship with my brother. But when it gets to going, yeah, 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 back and forth, boy, something rises up in me. And that's the very thing the Lord spent 55 years trying to crucify. And the last people in the world I need stirring up that thing that Jesus tried to crucify is my brethren. So... I have closet doors. And then I've learned to get some earplugs too. Because if I'm hearing too many voices, yang, 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 then I can't hear what the Spirit's saying. And hear me, the only voice I want to be attuned to is His. And if He's talking through you, I want to know it instantly. I want to listen to it. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you stand for. If God's talking through you, I want to hear it because I want to receive it. Finally, I'm almost done with this part. Verse 17, this is Acts 26, 17. Sister, let me read that and I'm going to the final verse. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. To do what? What is a man of God called to do? What was called, what was Paul called and commissioned by God to do as a minister, Huberates, and a martyr, a witness? What was he called to do? To open their eyes. Why? Because they're blind. If you just do a simple Strong's Concordance search on blindness, and find how frequently the Lord talked about the Messiah coming to opening the eyes of the blind. And you hear me right now. You preach the best messages you've got. But if you're preaching them to blind people, they're going to look at you with a blank, blank stare and they can't receive it. Brother Barnes said to me, and some of you have heard him make the same statement, the lost can't even decide whether or not they want to consider getting saved till somebody with the authority to do so prays the spiritual blindness off them. It doesn't happen because of good music. It doesn't happen because of good sermons. Good sermons are wasted on the blind. He hadn't even done any preaching here. He hadn't done any preaching here to open their eyes. 
and to turn. And the word turn here means to convert, to change their direction, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power, and that's not dunamis, it's exousia, but from the power of Satan unto God. The man of God's already said it today. He gave you a prayer to pray. Pray that one. Pray something. Pray what He gave you. Pray what God gives you to pray. Pray something. But the first and foremost call of God of any man of God is to confront the powers of darkness in prayer and by authority to deliver the lost from their blindness so that they can hear. Why? Because He's the Prince of the power of the air. He's the God of this earth. Jesus Christ is not the God of the world. The earth is the Lord, but the world isn't. There's a word for Greek word for earth, and that's the planet. But this world system of things, cosmos, world, God is not the God of this world system of things. He is not the God of this world. And those people out there, whether they know it or not, listen to His voice and obey it. Why? He doesn't announce to them, this is the devil talking, do what I say. He imitates. The first thing he wants to do more than anything else is to put thoughts in their minds that they don't realize is not their own thoughts. So since it's a thought in their mind, it sounds right, it feels right. They take ownership of it. They think that's their mind. And that blinds them. And a blind person is bound. They can't see. They can't understand. They can't be saved. They can't. When I was commissioned an officer, I wasn't given an M60. I wasn't even given a 45. Because that's not how true authority is exercised. True authority is not exercised by force. True authority is exercised just by the spoken word. If you really have authority, all you have to do is speak with that authority. And whatever you've got authority over has to listen. And anything that won't listen isn't going to make it. I spent years trying to save people. One day the Lord said to me, there's only one mediator between God and man. You're not him. You're not him. You know what else he said to me? Show me in the Gospels even one day that I acted like I was trying to reach the whole world. He said, as the Son of Man, all I did every day was seek to find the will of my Father. And I did the will of my Father every day. And by doing that, I pleased my Father. Because some sow, some water, but the increase is all up to God. And to have that increase, I mean, how foolish would it be out there in the plains of Kansas to sow all that seed on hard ground that's never been broken up? Do you know what spiritual warfare is doing? It's breaking up ground to get it ready for the seed. 
It may be the best seed, best quality seed going. But if you're sowing it on fallow ground, it's not going to be a crop, brethren. But I warn you, if you decide to do what you're truly called to do, the hangers on, some of them aren't going to stay. You can take this however you want to take this. But I'm not going to hold on to one and let them lock up a church in an altar that could see a thousand saved. I hate to lose anybody, but I'm not married to one as their pastor and let them lock this whole thing up and keep it all bound. Because revival is as much elimination as it is addition. It may be painful, but it is necessary. Of course, we we know that's inaccurate because when the prodigal left, the father traveled all the way where he was and was banging on his door. Come on home, son. Come on home. I'm, I'm so, I feel so bad. No. No. The father proved his welcoming heart. By recognizing that cloud of dust that single boy was making at some far distance. But he didn't leave his porch till that boy headed his direction. Now, I imagine that money running out had a little something to do with the father's prayer. I imagine that boy coming to himself in that pig pen had something to do with the father's prayers. Because... Somebody prayed that deception off that boy so that he could come to himself and realize he needed to go home. The greatest insult ever paid to anybody in this book outside the way people treated God is the way that boy treated his dad. Oh man, I want what's coming to me now. I can't wait for you to die. Give it to me now. But when he came to himself, he saw his father in a different light. He saw his father had so much love that even though he had been totally disrespectful of that father, he believed his father would at least let him come and work for him. But he really didn't know the father, did he? Oh, folks. If you could see, you know, if thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God. The adversary tried Jesus most specifically on the point of faith of him knowing he was the Son of God. Because if Jesus believed he was the Son of God, the adversary knew what kind of trouble he was in. Do you think he would test Jesus like that and not test you? Oh, God. God, help us, Jesus. I'm looking at a room full of sons of God. And I'm not talking about males. Because in the kingdom of God, Everybody that's in the church, male or female, is a part of the 
bride of Christ. But in the kingdom of God, every individual, male or female, is a son of God. Okay? Every Holy Ghost filled person is a son of God. Do you have any idea what would happen in this world if you left here in full confidence that you are a son of God? Do you know what would happen in your city if you stopped walking the streets of your city and let the Son of God walk the streets of your city? Do you know what would happen if you would start believing that the one who demonstrated to us what a Son of God's ministry is supposed to be like because he said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Do you know what would happen if sons of God would begin to walk the streets and go to prayer closets speaking into the spiritual atmosphere like the Son of God demonstrated for us to do? Do you, 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 Move a mountain with nothing but a seed? Just a seed word. You can move a mountain. If you have, if you have faith, it's the size of this mustard seed. My God, there's something in this room right now. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. There is a spirit of revelation in this room right now. God wants you to see it. I, I, I got better things to do than, than stand here and, and, and spew out verbiage to impress you. God's trying to help us because there's a world He died for that's going to hell. And the, and the only part of Him, that's the, uh, of Him, of the body of Christ, that's available is not the head. The head's already in heaven. The rest of his body is sitting here among other places. God help us. The Lord promised me, promised me, not because of my word, but because of the words that would be spoken in this meeting, that truly, more than ever before, people were going to go home from this meeting absolutely changed in your confidence, in your approach. In your faith and your being a son of God. In your faith and confidence in the authority that God has given you. You don't have to ask Him for authority. If you're a called of God, man of God, child of God, son of God, you were given that authority already. But ye have received power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You just have to go home and use it. You got to use it. The more confidence you have in the Word of God, the more comfortable you're going to be dealing in the supernatural realm. If you're just studying to preach, 
you're not comfortable with the supernatural and the gift of the Spirit. But if you're hiding word in your heart, you're hiding word in your heart and you're letting the word be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. If you're doing that, if you're devouring word, 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 the more words you put in you, the more comfortable you're going to be in participating in the supernatural. God is a spirit. But spirits are unwelcome in our church. They spook us. So we don't even want God manifested. Because he's a spirit. Either this is faith... Or this is the height of presumption. I'm going to leave it to you and Jesus to decide. But I am going to obey the Holy Ghost. Right now. I have authority. I didn't seek the authority. I have tried to run from the authority. I've tried to avoid the authority. I've hidden in my cave more times than I can tell you because I didn't want the exposure nor the, the jeopardy that authority puts you in. But I got to go to heaven. And I can't go to heaven displeasing the Lord without using His authority. And what I'm about to do it's not based on my name, who I am, what I am as a human being. But I have authority. I have authority. I am not bishop as a nice little term. We have an external board of trustees because it is confusion twice confounded for you to be submitted to a group of people that's supposed to be submitted to you. Because that board of local precious saints is either going to become a rubber stamp or they're going to control you, depending on how much they trust you. And I wanted and needed accountability. So in 1990, the Lord spoke to me and we, we asked men of God to come and be our external board of trustees. And you're not under authority unless somebody can tell you no and you have to do it. Well, I'm in the United Pentecostal Church. Excuse me, I'm a district superintendent. And if you think being a part of the United Pentecostal Church puts you under authority, God have mercy. It's easy to prove. I can't speak for other places, but our district board, we pray. We fast. We try not to add to or take away from. We want, we want the will of God, nothing but the will of God. And we seek the Lord over it. What we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to do it, who's supposed to speak. It's not just, it's not a politic thing. It's a spiritual thing. And we do that. And after we, and after we do that, and we've done it long enough, that that district, I don't know what rock they're hiding under, they have to know that's what we do. Because God's honoring it. But when men of God choose to show up or don't show up by their whim and you want to say they're under authority because they've got a license 
God help us. If the only authority you're under is a card in your pocket, you are not under any authority. Because unless a man commits adultery, steals from the church, or uh, does some other vile act, district board has no authority whatsoever. And then it's not authority to save or heal. We're supposed to judge this man as was preached today. So this, these men of God that had told me no on several occasions said, we have prayed it is the will of God for you to become the bishop of this church. I don't want that. I know what that, that would do. Put a target on my back. Who's right think he is? Call himself a bishop, blah, blah, blah. I didn't just get here yesterday. They said, no, sir, this is the will of God. You're doing it. They set the date. They, they set the date on the calendar, announced it to the church. I showed up. Well, I got to tell you something. God have mercy. Something happened that day when that, those elders put their hands on my head and ordained me a bishop. There's authority. I'll tell you something else. It's really hard to take sometimes. Chester Wright ceased to exist. I used to be Brother Wright. Now about 80% of the time, I'm just, hey, bishop or the bishop. Hey, I got a name, get man. Are you talking to Jesus? Because that's the office. <laughs> that's what I think, you know. It just kind of bothers me a little bit. Even my wife. She calls me bishop sometimes. But when she's talking to other people, it's the bishop. Hello, 45 years, don't you know my name? I'm not apologizing. I'm trying to do what I believe God wants me to do right now. Those who are willing to be commissioned to it with a new understanding of what you're called to do. Not just preach. Cast out devils. Heal the sick. Cause the blind eyes to see. I am going to pray. Jesus didn't lay hands on the twelve. He didn't have to. He spoke with a word of authority. And activated. That in their lives. There's a lot of gray heads in here, and you're all smart enough to know how far out there this is putting me. But the Lord told me to do it, and I'm doing it, male or female. If you're a son of God, and you want the things of God activated in your life, stand. I'm not going to be checking to see who's sitting or standing. We're going to pray, and God's going to, to do something. Now, let me say this to you quickly. If you're looking for a mountaintop to confirm so that you will believe, probably not going to happen. I raised my hand that day, repeated the oath of office. I didn't feel any different. But the difference came when I began to go and exercise what had just happened to me. And I went, whoa, this is new. This is different. 
the prophecy that was given me on Wednesday told me I was going to have to do this. And I'm here submitting to the word of God. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. We're just waiting. We're waiting on him. There are angels in the house, but there are angels that God has dispatched to your city that are showing up here right now. Because they've been waiting on you to have enough faith and authority that you would speak the word so they could work with you. We don't order angels. But when we speak with the authority of God, the angelic forces that God appoints to our city for the salvation of that city work when the voice of God speaks through us the authority of God. But some of them have been idle so long they've just about given up. But they have hope. You hear me? I'm not trying to be weird. I'm telling you what I know in the Holy Ghost. There are angels of God showing up from your city. That when you receive this activation, you're going to begin to speak what God puts in your heart. And those angels are going to go home and begin to do in the spirit world what you say in this place. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the authority given unto me by the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go forth I command you to heal the sick. I command you to cast out devils. I command you to take dominion and authority over the principalities of your city. In the name of Jesus, I command you to preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, speak it. Speak it. Pretty tame, preacher. Yeah, real tame. But the devil doesn't believe it's very tame. Come on. Speak it. Speak it. I believe in speaking in tongues. I love to speak in tongues. I don't have to defend that to anybody or explain it. But when you're speaking authority, you need to do it in English. Or Spanish, if that's your language. Speak it. Speak it. According to your faith. By the authority given unto you. Speak it. In the name of Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus.
Testing. I know there's some of you have seen this, but you don't get it. Some of you have seen this before, but you don't get it. And I didn't want to do this today. I'm, I, I apologize in advance to the individuals involved. I didn't want to do this. But Joel, Katie, come up here. Come up here, please. I'm going to show you authority and operation. We're almost there. We're almost there, but there's, there's, just, there's just a little bit of doubt. Just a little bit of doubt. A little bit of fear. This is a little weird. This is a little out there. It's not out of the book. It's just out of your culture. Come up here, please. Right when, he, when everyone stood, I was standing in the back and I stood up. And there's a line of angels that goes from that wall to that wall. And they're standing shoulder to shoulder. And it's as many rows and it just kind of goes that way. I can't see how far it goes. And they were praying and their, their expression is like they're just waiting for that moment to break. And I, I just was... I was watching. I wanted to see this and, and praying. And just like it was like in, in, in ancient warfare, they'd line up army against army, and that command would go, and they'd just run against that other army. And I could see them. Just, they were just ready to go, and it just weren't, they, they weren't there. When he said, we're not there yet, I'm telling you, something, when this thing breaks, it's just going to just, oh, Holy Ghost. He is her husband. He is her covering. She has a gift of warfare intercession. I didn't want to. I'm sorry, Katie. I didn't want to do this to you this year. I'm, I really honestly didn't. But we have to break this right now. We got to break this. So under his covering and at my direction and authority, I need you to, to lead us in intercessory prayer. Jesus name Intercessors Rise up intercessors Let's break this thing Intercessors Yeah, dude. 
Jesus. There's earthquakes happening in the spirit world. Come on. There's earthquakes happening in the spirit world. Come on. Jesus name. Jesus name. Jesus name. Please, please stay focused. Please, please let's press a little bit farther. Come on. Please. The Holy Ghost is working. Come on, let's go strike the ground with our arrows once, twice, and three times and quit. Come on, let's strike the ground with our arrows five, six, seven times until God gets complete victory. In the name of Jesus, strike the ground. Strike the ground with those arrows, King. Strike the ground with those arrows, Son of God. Jesus name. 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 I'm her bishop I know her gift and when God's done it begins to wane it had waned at all would you at least join with this gift would you at least join with it would you continue to press with it would you continue to press with it seen before I don't know if you've seen it but I haven't seen it before it's not going to just happen in one or two places Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name come on Come on, you intercessors that really haven't gotten involved yet. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Jesus name. 
Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I feel like we we are we are so close to something beyond beyond imagination. We have gotten so far, but we're so close. And I I just shared. He asked me what I felt. I shared. He told me that if if the if the people in the back want to join, that's fine. But if, if the missionaries, if you could find your spouse or or whoever you came with and join up with them, and we could join hands. All over the front. If you want it in the back, please join with us. But but let's connect. Jesus name. Jesus name. I know you're tired. I know we've pushed, but if we could just one one more 
one more small push here. We're about to break into something. And I can only tell you what I saw in the Spirit. When we begin to pray, if you would take that hand you're holding, you can hold your spouse, grab hands on both sides. And when we pray, if you could take that hand and you lift it up, that's what I saw in the Spirit. And we could pray one more time. This thing is going to break and it's going to send a shockwave that will reverberate long after this meeting is closed. Shataboko shatabahaya. Shatabahaya. Shikamo say. Rubo shakimo say. Rubo shata. Ilurumo say. Ilushe. Sikmokuta yei. Yei sayelu. So make it do say rebo shake is say nistein stylisto nistein this time nistein strumstein nistein winstein sto nistein winstein linstein wusta nistein wuste nistein wustein zinstein lunstein Wenstinstein wusta nistein wustein nistein winsto mexti wenstein winstein winstoinstein mustein wechtile mostin wechta mustein wostingle majdi so wanstaye minostingstele mustein wenstainstelimosa yes talobose imaye Some of you are wondering why you're not shaking and quaking. Because a lot of that shaking and quaking we feel is the turbulence that happens when the Spirit comes into a container. You pour liquid into a container, you'll see all kind of turbulence in the bottom of that container. And as long as you fill it up, there's turbulence because you're pouring into a container. But when you're a conduit, and you're not trying to hold the Spirit. You're trying to let the Spirit flow through you. There's not a whole lot of shaking and quaking because it's passing through. You don't want to be a conduit. You want to be, excuse me, a container. You want to be a conduit. Come on, come on, come on.
Now in a moment, as an act of your faith, every spiritual warfare I've ever participated in led, there was a time where there needed to be a unified shout of praise. A unified shout of praise, which was a collective faith and declaration. It's, it's, it's better than saying amen. It's saying it's happened. I believe it's happened and we're doing it. Wait, don't start. I'm going to say in a moment, in the name of Jesus, shout. When I say shout, we're going to give a collective shout of victory. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, shout! Billy Cole taught me about intercession 1975 and he said this to me brother Wright so much of the work that God did through me was a result of my wife's intercessor prayer but he said I didn't understand and she had such a heavy weight of intercession all she wanted to do was intercede and weep but he said I didn't understand and I let her do it and it broke her health because all she did was give out and she couldn't rejoice, she couldn't praise because she felt guilty. He said, when you teach this, this is 1975, he said, when you teach this, always teach them to let God refresh and put it back in. Wait now, I need this on the screen, please. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said this 
is the rest. Wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. I spend probably 70% or more of my talking in tongues praying this tongue. I call it the tongue of rest and refreshing. Because everything else is giving out. Even, even as the Spirit is flowing through me as a conduit, there's still energy that's taken out. I, I'm standing here with my le- legs shaking because i got nothing left. Our mistake is we go that far. We give all that out and then we dismiss. And you leave here depleted and you leave here open to without any strength to resist anything that wants to come along and undo what God has done in you. You have got to learn to pray the prayer of rest and refreshing. I pray it laying on the bed at night. I pray it driving down the road in the car. I've learned to pray it on the airplane. People sitting next to me don't even know what I'm doing. They can't even hear it. I learned to do it walking down the mall. I just let the Spirit pray and put it back. Put it back. Put it back. He knows I can't make it on my own. And, And when I'm weak, I'm strong. Yes. But when I've given out everything I've got and i got no energy left to even just barely put one foot ahead of another, if I don't let him refresh me before I quit and continue to let him replenish through the day, then I, I, I lose. I put myself in a weak and vulnerable position. And, the, and rest and refreshing prayer is so completely different. than It, it is the total opposite of intercession. Total opposite of intercession. This is rest and refreshing prayer. Tongues. Come on. You're not, it's, there's no emotion in it. You're not trying to be emotional. You're not giving out. You're letting him put back. That's the focus is letting him put back. Letting him rest. Give you rest and refreshing. You say, but I don't feel anything. Because speaking in tongues is not emotion, it's spirit. It's not an emotional experience. There may or may not be emotion with it, but that's not what causes speaking in tongues. We speak as the spirit gives us utterance. It's a spiritual experience, not an emotional experience. In 19, excuse me, in March of 2011, Brother Willoughby was still alive. He'd invited me to come do a meeting in Singapore. And uh, that local church sponsored leaders from 17 different nations around that region to come to Singapore. Hosted them just like this. They did the same thing that, that you've done with the home missionaries. And uh, we started on Monday night. And Monday night, all day, Tuesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night. Uh, the speakers, without any pre-planning, all talked about spiritual warfare and how to be used of God. 
Friday and Saturday, this is no exaggeration. There's not one iota of exaggeration to this. We did what you've just done in here, this, these few minutes. We did that for each nation, 17 different nations, one at a time. Nine solid hours, two days in a row. You say, how did, how did you do that? Because every time we prayed for a nation, we spent time praying rest and refreshing tongues. And after we did that for about 10 or 15 minutes, they were raring to go for the next round. Hear me, I've never been a part of anything so supernatural in my life. Nine hours on Thursday, nine hours on Friday. There's no way you can physically do that. It was this intense every time we prayed. And that intercession would go sometimes a half hour, 45 minutes. And then, then when the command to shout went forth, they would shout for another 5, 10, 15 minutes. And then we would pray the prayer of rest and refreshing. We didn't sit. We didn't take bathroom breaks. We it was time for the next nation. I got it in my notes, the order of the nation, the order we did the nations in. So I tell you that for one more time before I turn this microphone back to Brother Dylan. Could we please, would you please? I know some of you aren't comfortable with it because you're not hucking and bucking and you don't believe it can be the Holy Ghost if you're not. And we don't have the music cranked so loud that you can't even hear yourself thinking, therefore it can't be God if you're speaking in tongues. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Some of you need to go back in the book and study tongues. Okay? Praise God. Those that would, come on. We, we, Brother Morgan is preaching tonight. We're going to have a major move of God tonight to culminate all of this. We don't need to come back here exhausted. Yeah, we're going to go eat some food in a little bit. But it's not food you need most right now for the next few minutes. It, it is allowing the Lord to put the virtue back in that you've just let flow out. Let's raise our hands now and let's thank the Lord for this rest and this refreshing. And I want you to receive this. Come on, how many receives this word in your spirit? I want you to receive this word in your spirit.